0: Hello church family, I hope you're doing well, wherever you may be live streaming this from, whether that be your couch, your bed, your bathroom, um, regardless, I'm grateful that they are still leaning in, uh, seeking to dive into God's word together as a family, uh, because you and I know that uh, the church is not brick and mortar, it's flesh and blood, and so I'm, I'm grateful that we can still gather today in a spiritual sense, and for those of you that are visiting with us uh, online for the first time, welcome to Wayside. Uh, I'm hoping one day I can, I can meet you in person, uh, but thanks for joining us today. Um, and we as a church, we're going to continue monitoring uh, what's going on uh, with COVID-19, and we'll continue to keep you updated uh, with our decisions as a church as we go forward. Uh, but as of now, as many of you know, all of our midweek activities and our Sunday morning services um, and classes at both campuses have been suspended through March 30th, and then as we get closer to March 30th, the leadership team will gather, reassess the situation in our community, and decide how we're going to proceed forward. Uh, And with that said, uh, we we would really appreciate your prayers as we continue to make these decisions, as we figure out ways to continue being the church uh, during this unique time. Uh, For me personally, uh, times like these have have made me really thankful for, for our pastor, for Pastor Roger. Uh, for his leadership, uh, for, our, for our elders. Uh, we've got some solid, seasoned, wise men leading our church, and I'm really thankful for that. And I'll tell you, uh, this event has definitely put things in perspective uh, for me, and I'm sure it has for you as well. Uh, it's helped me to appreciate some things that I so easily just take for granted. And one of those things is corporate worship, like meeting together physically as a body where we get to worship God together and serve one another. Um, I miss it. Uh, this is kind of awkward. Okay? There's, there's really nobody here except for a couple pastors, some folks from our maintenance team, our tech team, praise God for them, our worship team. Um, but, man, I, I miss my church's physical presence. Like, I, I really wish that I could see you right now. Um, well, maybe not right now because some of you are in your pajamas, but you know what I mean, Okay. Uh, You know what I mean. I'm grateful that we can still meet virtually and spiritually, but it's not the same as meeting together physically. And it's going to be a darn celebration when we're able to come back together, hopefully someday soon. Um, And I know some of you at home just amen. Okay, don't don't be afraid to amen right now. Nobody's going to judge you. Okay, nobody's going to judge you. In fact, during worship, you can dance, like do whatever you want. You're free. Okay, you're free. Uh, But I was thinking the other day. Um, Really how how this season is a similar picture to what our relationship with God looks like right now. Um, We can't see Jesus right now. We can talk to him. We're spiritually connected to him. But one day, we're going to be with him physically. And it's going to be a darn celebration. Uh, But it's been an interesting few weeks to say the least, hasn't it? Uh, This is a unique time in history. A time that all of us are, are going to remember. And I realize that a lot of you watching right now, uh, you're probably scared. You're fearful. You're concerned. And rightfully so. Like there, there's a lot of unknown right now. Uh, for me personally, I've, I've got a whole lot of hope and confidence because at the end of the day, I trust in the Lord God Almighty. I believe He's in control. I believe he has a plan, and that plan is good for those who believe in Jesus. I've got faith in him. But faith does not mean the absence of doubt. We see all throughout scriptures of faithful believers who trusted in the Lord, yet they wrestled with doubt from from time to time. And I've noticed that in my own life these past couple of weeks. Doubt at times will will creep in. Uh, I've got two little girls i got one on the way, I've got an amazing wife, and I naturally want to protect them. That's my God-given duty. And so when things seem to be uncertain in society, I I can get fearful. Because I'm human. And I confess that to you because I think sometimes Christians beat themselves up for feeling fearful. I remember taking a a class in seminary um, where we studied emotional intelligence. And in this class, we we talked about the science of emotions and and we studied how humans really have no control over what emotions come over them at any given time. The only thing we can control is how we respond to our emotions. If we could control the emotions that come over us, all of us would choose to be happy all of the time. Uh, But you and I know it doesn't work like that. All we have control over is, is how we respond to our emotions. And part of spiritual maturity is learning how to manage our emotions in an appropriate way that displays our trust in the Lord, which is why it's so necessary for us to continue diving in to God's word so that we can continue to gain proper perspective, which will help us to manage our emotions in times of fear, which will allow us to embody hope to a fearful society. And so with that said, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4 this morning. We're going to study verses 30, 35 through, through 41, and so if you have open your Bibles to that. Um, but before we do so, uh, we're going to do something a, a little bit different, uh, because I think it would be wise for us to spend a little bit of time in all the different places that we're located in, in prayer. Uh, perhaps one of the reasons why all this stuff is happening in our culture and so the church would learn how to pray again. I, I don't know. But what I do know is that the Lord has called us to pray in all seasons of life. And we're in a season of life right now where the people of God need to rally together. And we need to call upon the name of the Lord. And so what I'd like you to do, wherever you're at, is, is I want you just to take a, a minute or so to come before the Lord. And just ask Him to steady your heart and to open your eyes to what he wants to show you this morning. And so if you're watching right now as a family, um, I would love for, for one of the parents just to lead your family in a, in a time of prayer, just real quick. Uh, if you're watching with a group, then maybe one of you could just boldly volunteer and pray for y'all's time. If you're by yourself, then just take a few moments to slowly breathe as you ask the Lord to speak to you. And so I'm gonna give you all about a minute or so to do that. And then I'm going to close this in prayer, and that's how you'll know it's time to transition. Uh, But we're going to do that right now. So please just take a few moments where you're at and please pray. Well, Father God, we come before you right now, and we just ask that you would encourage us, that you would remind us of why we have hope during this season, that you'd help us to be men and women of faith who would walk in courage. And so, God, we pray all this in in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, before we jump in, um, I think it's important for us to understand a, a little bit of background information When it comes to the Gospel of Mark, if we're truly going to appreciate what's going on here in Mark chapter 4. And so the Gospel of Mark uh, was written by, go figure, a guy named Mark. And Mark was an early church father who was a close associate with the Apostle Peter. And Mark received and he recorded firsthand information from Peter about the events in the life of Jesus. And the targeted audience that Mark is writing to is Gentile believers who are in Rome. And the reason why this is important, I wanna tell you this, is because these believers were being persecuted for their faith and experiencing all sorts of suffering and uncertainty. And so what Mark does over and over throughout his gospel is he records miracle after miracle after miracle in order to give hope to his readers who are in a season of uncertainty. And so what Mark does, he says, man, there's something different about this Jesus guy. Like you need to keep your eyes on him and pay attention to what he's doing because there's something unique. There's something special. There's something powerful about his personhood. He says you need to get to know him because he might just be the hope that your heart has always been yearning for. He might just be the peace that calms all your fears if you'll just trust in Him. So Mark chapter 4, Jesus has chosen His 12 disciples. He brings them along with Him. They're doing ministry together. He's teaching large crowds uh, along the seashore of Galilee about the kingdom of God. And then He says this in verse 35. It says, On that day when evening came, Jesus said to them, Let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took Jesus along with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. And Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him, and they said, to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And then Jesus said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they became very much afraid. And they said to one another, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Amen. Well, notice here at the very beginning, in verse 35, it says that when evening came, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Very easy for us to brush over statements like these, but let's not do that because this is a significant statement for multiple reasons. First off, you got to understand what's on the other side of the sea. You need to understand the destination in which Jesus has his holy crosshairs on. We see in chapter 5, verse 1, that the intended destination was an area known as the Gerasenes. And this area had the reputation to be a place where runaway Jews and Gentiles would escape to. In other words, this is where the crooks, the sinners, the outcasts, the hypocrites, and the despised would flee to. These were people that wanted nothing to do with God. It was a place known for inhabitating broken, filthy sinners. And shockingly, Jesus says, let's go over there. As you walk through the Gospels, one thing about Jesus that just screams off the pages is the extravagance of his love, his love for people literally lacked restraint. It bordered what others would consider inappropriate. Jesus would often dine with tax collectors and sinners. He extended grace and love towards prostitutes. He touched those who were considered untouchables. He forgave evildoers when other people were like, man, those folks don't deserve to be forgiven. And astonishingly, Jesus didn't just preach at sinners, no, instead, he actively engaged with them. Jesus didn't just remain in the synagogue and wait for people to come to him. No, he was willing to step out of the confines of his holy bubble and pursue people who others thought didn't deserve to be pursued. And that's why so many of us are enamored with Jesus, because he does the same thing with us. Jesus pursues us despite all the wicked things. That we've done, that we've seen, that we've thought about, that we've touched. We're not worthy to be in the same room as Jesus, yet he invites us to come sit at his table. And it was the extravagant love of Jesus that drove him to go to the other side. And that's why you and I have hope this morning. Because if there is an area designated for sinners, that's where you and I would reside. Yet what the gospel shows us, is that Jesus wants to meet us in that broken area, not in order to condemn us, but in order to set us free. He came so that we may be released from the consequences of our sin and instead granted new life with Him, solely because of His grace, not because of anything that we've done. That's our God. That's Jesus. But there's another reason why Jesus' statement to go to the other side of the sea is so significant. Because Jesus told them to go to the other side, even though he knew that a storm was coming. Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side, even though he knew a storm was coming. You see, the Sea of Galilee had a unique geography. The sea, which is actually a lake, is almost feet. Feet below sea level. It's surrounded by mountains. And because of its unique location. It was subject to very intense wind storms. These storms were not abnormal. They were predictable. But this sea became a treacherous place. To be if you were on a boat. At the wrong time. And guess what? Jesus calls his disciples. To get on that boat. To sail out on that sea. During a very. Treacherous time because Jesus knew a storm was coming. How did Jesus know? Because He's God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 says this God's son Jesus, who is appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. And then in verse 3, it is Jesus who upholds all things by the word of his power. Meaning God made the world through Jesus. And it is Jesus who sustains this world by his power. Again in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, it says this about Jesus. By him all things... We're created both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things and in him all things hold together, meaning that Jesus is the creator and the sustainer of all creation. All things exist because Jesus made them. All things are sustained because Jesus sustains them. There's nothing in this world that Jesus does not control. And so Jesus calls his disciples to go across the Sea of Galilee. And he knows a storm is brewing. He knows exactly what's going to happen because he's the omniscient God. Meaning he knows everything past, present, In future, he is completely sovereign over it all. He knows what's about to happen. He knows a storm is coming. And he knows that this storm is going to be an opportunity for his followers to express faith. Let me say that one more time. Jesus knows this storm is going to be an opportunity for his followers to express faith. Church... Let's be sure of something this morning. Our God is not shocked by this virus. Our God is not scratching his head or or panicking in heaven. He's not surprised by the stock market. He's not stunned by the way people are responding. Our God is not confused. He is not distraught and he is not worried. Rather, he is completely composed. He is calm. What about the grocery store? (laughs) What about my family? What about the elderly? Our God is calm. His steady hand has not moved. And Jesus whispers to all of us during this season, let's go to the other side. There's a storm coming, but it's not outside of my sovereign control. Follow me. Let's go to the other side. This storm is an opportunity For the followers of Christ to rise up and express their faith. One thing is for sure. In this life, we will have trouble. I find John chapter 16, starting in verse 31, very interesting. I don't think these verses are talking about the coronavirus. Um, I think Jesus is talking about the persecution his followers are about to experience because of their faith. Regardless, though, I think these verses should be encouraging to us as well. Because Jesus is telling them things are about to get uncertain around you. But take heart. There's still much to be hopeful for. Jesus says this in John 16:31. Do you now believe? Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. Jesus tells his followers, listen, things are about to get bad. You're about to be scattered. You're going to be isolated in your own homes. But don't you dare hang your head because you are not alone. Take courage. I've come, I've overcome the world and hope is on the horizon. Listen, church, there's a lot going on in our world right now. I'm not sure why everything is happening. I'm I'm not a prophet. I cannot predict the future of what's going to happen next. But one thing I do know is that King Jesus sits on his throne. 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked this earth He self-sacrificially marched towards the cross in order to pay the payment of sin that you and I deserve. And after that, he died. The scriptures reveal that he rose three days later, unveiling to the world that he is the true God of the universe. And anyone who trusts in him may lose their life, but they will never perish. For we are more than conquerors because of the finished work of the cross. It was the apostle Paul who said in Philippians 4.12. We all know Philippians 4.13. Many of us can quote it. But we forget that verse 13 comes right after verse 12. Where it says this. Paul says, I know how to get along. With humble means. And I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled. And going hungry. Both of having abundance. And suffering need. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's why the storms of this life are often the greatest opportunities for believers in Christ to display the glorious hope that we have in Jesus. For it does not matter what happens in the world around us. We're not going to fret long because we know our God is in control and we know the end game. Our God is completely sovereign. He is in complete control and he's going to take care of his people. Church, we're in a storm right now. And we're called to let our light shine before all men so that they may see the hope that is within us and place their faith in God. Nothing in this life is purposeless. Storms always come for a reason. Nothing is random. COVID-19 didn't happen by chance. The God of the heavens and the earth says, get your eyes onto me. Our Lord is speaking to us right now. He's got the world's attention. Whether overreaction or not, God is showing his people how little control we have. And he's telling the world, get your eyes onto me. Nations and kings will rise and they will fall. But I'm the everlasting God. The Lord Almighty is my name. Get your eyes onto me. Every crisis, every trial is an opportunity for faith. One thing we know according to James chapter 1, because of God's good character, he's not capable of tempting us to sin. Meaning his plans are never for evil, but for good. Therefore, in every trial and every crisis, our God is tempting his people to trust in him for their good. So, even in this scary time, church, our God has a good plan. We can trust him, he's going to take care of us. We need to get our eyes onto him. I love how it says in verse 36. Leaving the crowd, they took Jesus along with them in the boat, just as he was. (laughs) I love the fact that Jesus does not send his followers into the storm and then watch from afar. No, rather, watching from a distance, Jesus enters into the storm with us. Uh, Before getting into vocational ministry, I I used to coach. And uh, I was coaching during track season this one time. And had some PE kids that came out for track. There's a group of them. And after about five days, they all quit except for one. And then he showed up. He looked around. He said, man, I'm the last one. (laughs) I'm the last guy. This is dumb, coach. I might as well just go home. I said, what are you talking about? He's like, I got no one to run with. And I got up on the line. I said, you ready? He said, coach, what are you doing? I said, I'm about to whoop you. That's what I'm doing. Okay. And then I started, we went off, started running some 400s. He actually whooped me. That's not the point. Um, but he was just amazed by the fact that the coach was willing to run with the player. We see in Deuteronomy 31.6, it was the Lord who encouraged the Israelites before entering into battle. He says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Church, our God is not going to leave us right now. He will not forsake us. We are not alone. Through every storm, through every season, Jesus is right there. He refuses to leave. His compassion and his love propels him to lean in. My wife's birthday is is on St. Patrick's Day. And many people don't realize that St. Patrick, he, he was not a leprechaun. Um, he was actually a Christian man of great faith. In one of his famous prayer blessings, he says this Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit, and Christ when I stand. May we never forget, church, that it is Christ who goes before us. It is he who comes behind us, who stands beside us, who makes his home within us. He is our sustainer. And then we see in this passage that Christ travels with his disciples on the boat. And the text says that there rose a fierce gale of wind. And the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Notice here that there arose a fierce gale of wind. This storm seemed to come out of nowhere. It seemed that this storm catches these experienced fishermen by surprise. I mean, these guys knew how to handle a boat like this was their job. But very quickly, this becomes an intense situation and things start to get out of hand. Waves are breaking over the side. The boat is filling up with water and they think that they are about to sink. Not too long ago, church, things were quite calm. But now there's a crisis. About a month ago, I I wasn't even thinking about COVID-19. I didn't even know what that was. But out of nowhere, a situation has arisen and the tide is changing in our society. Every time you turn on the news, the numbers of the infected are rising. Quarantines are increasing. At first, it was avoid gatherings of 500 people. Then it was 250. Then it was 100. Now it's 10. Businesses are closing. The stock market is plummeting. Pressure is mounting. And this has very quickly become an unsettling. An uncomfortable situation. And the same thing is going on in this passage. Jesus is with his disciples on the boat. A fierce storm out of nowhere occurs. And Jesus is super concerned. So concerned that he decides, I'm going to take a nap. And I, can't, I can't get over that. Like boat's sinking. Like people are freaking out. And Jesus is like, nap time. <laughs> like, it's, it's insane. Okay, it's insane. So what's going on here? Like, why is Jesus taking a nap? Like, what does this demonstrate to us about who Jesus is? Well, first off, it demonstrates that Jesus is completely human. He's been doing ministry nonstop, and he's tired. Although Jesus is fully God, he's also fully human, which means that he can empathize with our temptations and our frailty. And then Hebrews 4 says that he can sympathize with our weaknesses. At times, Jesus wept. At times, he got hungry. He got thirsty. He got angry. He he experienced temptation, but he never gave in to that temptation. He was perfectly obedient. Which means that Jesus knows exactly what we're going through right now. He understands our anxiety, He knows our fear, He knows our confusion. He knows the heartache. He knows the desire not to die. He knows the resolve that exists in us that want to take care of our family. He knows all that. But he also knows grit. And he knows perseverance. And he knows patience. And he knows healing. And he knows hope. For he is our hope. And he's not going to let us drown. Because our God cares for us. That's why it's appropriate to turn to Jesus during times of trouble. He understands what we're going through. He cares. And he will come to our aid. Now, while I agree that Jesus sleeping on a boat uh, is a great example of his humanity, I would argue that nothing about Jesus' response is humanly natural. This is very unnatural, okay? Like, ain't... No way anybody is just going to be sleeping through a storm while waves are filling the boat and it's sinking. <laughs> um, here's the deal. Uh, Jesus ain't some natural man. He's a supernatural man. He's similar to you and me, but oh, he's much different. In my opinion, the fact that he sleeps through the storm showcases his divinity much more than it does his humanity. Jesus sleeps peacefully in the midst of the storm because he controls the storm. He doesn't fear the storm because he owns the storm. Everyone around him is about to start panicking, yet Jesus remains calm. He's steady because he has authority over the storm. But the disciples are freaking out. They wake Jesus up and they say, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? The disciples say, Hey, Jesus, like, look around. Are you not concerned like, we're about to die. Are you just going to sit there? Do you even care? It can be tempting to think those thoughts in the midst of a crisis. When pressure mounts, when things start to bubble up, when our heart rate increases, when uncertainty enters our mind, it's tempting to think, "Well, well, maybe God doesn't care John 3:16 says this, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. The only reason Jesus is even in that boat is because he deeply loves these people. If Jesus doesn't care about us, then the crucifixion makes absolutely no sense. It makes no sense. Like why in the world would Jesus humble himself, take on flesh, take on criticism, take on rejection, take on hardship, take on suffering, take on mockery, take on flogging where his flesh was ripped apart, take on injustice when he was wrongfully accused, and why would he ultimately take on death, substitute himself in our place, taking on the full punishment for our sins that every single one of us deserve, unless... He possesses a love so deep, so extravagant, so abundant that He can't help but draw near to us. Church, the reason you and I don't need a fear virus is because our God deeply loves us. He loves us. We can trust Him. Look at how Jesus responds to their fear, even in their doubt, even in their doubt. Jesus got up, he rebuked the wind, and he said, hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. Three words, hush, be still. And the storm was calm. Later on, as Jesus takes his last breath on the cross, he yelled three words once more. It is finished. where he paid the whole price for our sins. And there's a day coming in the near future when Christ will once again say, Hush, be still. Luke 21 says a day is coming when the skies will break forth and the Son of Man will come riding on the clouds with great power and glory. And on that day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And on that day, only one voice will be heard as King Jesus will comfort his people and he will hush every force of evil He will hush every ounce of sin. He will hush every doubt that there's ever been. He will hush all pain, all sickness, all fear, all heartache. And he will say, be still. And he will be our God. And we will be his people. And peace will reign forevermore. Things will be perfectly calm. He's coming, church. I don't know when, but He's coming. In the meantime, we're called to walk by faith, not by sight. We're called to love one another, placing other people's needs above our own, imitating the self-sacrificial love of our Savior. But you keep your head up, church. Our God is with us. He's in the boat. He's not leaving. And he's going to get us to the other side. Let's pray. Well, Father God. We come before you right now and we're we're anxious, Lord. Many of us are scared. We don't know what's going to happen next. God, would you calm us? Would you steady our hearts, O Lord? Would you remind us of the glorious hope that we have in Jesus? God, give us courage to walk in faith, to know that you are a good God. You go before us, you're behind us, you're all around us. Help us to rest in that, Lord. We love you. And we thank you that a day is coming where you're going to hush all things and everything will finally be still. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.